Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, America. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. I got corrected a few times here in the last couple of weeks. I said, Dave, you have an international audience. Stop saying hello, America. Okay. Hello to America and America's friends around the world. Thank you. Uh, we stand corrected, and uh, we'll try to keep that in mind as we go forward. Ladies and gentlemen, we have real issues. The Maui situation is being swept under the carpet by the mainstream media, but we're not going to allow it to happen. Now, that's not what this show is going to be about today, but I just want to assure you, I just uh, was in on a uh, conference call uh, an indigenous organization from the Hawaiian Islands, and it ain't over. Trust me. I'm not going to say a whole lot at this point because they're formulating plans and objectives as we go. I was asked to be in on the conference, and I'm just telling you, it ain't over. The other side knows something's coming, so I'm not divulging anything that's proprietary. And there were some people on there that I was surprised to see, people I know, friends of mine. Um and they're reaching out to people in the mainland to help them, and we're going to help them. We're going to do everything we can do. Uh, we have to go there. We'll go there. We're brought to you by Noble Gold. Noble Gold is the very best at protecting your assets. Gold is the best at protecting your assets. If you leave your money in the bank, it's going to be 1929. Now, I know you got to leave operating capital, but you got to diversify, diversify, diversify. And whatever you do, do not let your retirement be in the clutches of the bank because the Dodd-Frank Law 2010 says they can keep it because you're an unsecured creditor. In fact, that part is going to come up on the show today. Our guest, Chris Kitsy, is going to address that directly in other areas. You really don't own very much at all. And so Noble Gold can get your retirement out from the clutches of the bank. You'll own it. They'll back it by gold, which has held its value for 6,000 years, unlike the banks that have debased the currency by 85% since the 1980s, which is a better deal. That's an easy choice, isn't it? And they have similar strategies for your bank account. Go to. DaveHodgesGold.com, and I will send you a free information packet. Go to DaveHodgesGold.com for a free information packet, or you can just call directly, 877-646-5347, 877-646-5347. This show with Chris Kitsy, I would advise you to actually take notes because he's going to tell you all the ways the government can steal and is stealing property. And I don't just mean your home. I mean everything. It's not just the people of Lahaina that are having their property stolen. This is happening all over the country. And people really don't realize what's behind this. And this is a very, very important show. And I could think of no one better than Chris Kitsy to bring us this information. So stay tuned. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. As you know me, you know what we do here. We're trying to save America one enslaved mind at a time. But please share the content that you learn here and the other good places you go to. When you get good information, we need to share it because when CBDC comes in, the Great Reset's firmly in place. We will lose our ability to resist. I believe we have a short amount of time to stand up to this tyranny. And so does my guest, Chris Kitsy. And I've asked Chris to come back. And he's going to talk to us about the Great Reset, 
the end of private property and a bunch of other assorted things. Chris, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here, and I'm hoping your message will give the people a sense of urgency so they'll want to act. Thanks, Dave. Very happy to be here. And um, I know your audience is very intelligent, and uh, you know they have a lot of foresight. So I'm hopeful that when we tell them what they're doing, because the, the document I put together that I'm going to talk about tonight goes through from beginning to end how they're going to take your property and turn the place into a communist country. That's the bottom line. Yep. It's a theme I'm very familiar with. We, I call them Bolshevik communists for a reason. This is what we're seeing. We're seeing the same strategies in play. Anyway, let me just throw it back to you, and let's let's uh, start with an attention getter. Okay, how's America going to change from where we are now to what they want to do? Walk us through that process. Well, basically, what the Great Reset does is it eliminates all private property. Mm-hmm. That's the goal, and to get there, they have to take all your property away from you, all of it. Whether they take it, if they convince you to give it to them, or they destroy it, does not matter. You're not going to get to keep it if they have their way. And the reason for that is because that's how they get more power. Someone who doesn't have any property is basically a slave. And that's where they want people so they cannot have any competition. It's a monopoly system. That's the thing about communism. Communism is a monopoly on everything, including your thinking. So that's really the um, that's the bottom line for what these guys are going to try and do. Now, if you look at the, um, you know, there's a bunch of memes and things out there with Klaus Schwab and with Karl Marx and so forth. And I mean, this program this program has been going on for a very long time. They've been planning this for literally hundreds of years. I was originally going to, you know, talk about CBDC. And, you know, Dave, you and I have talked about this many times. CBDC is central bank digital currency. And that's the control mechanism that's going to be used, one of them. And Mm -hmm. But the key is that's after you are separated from your property, not just just after, but also before. But as a a key way to keep people under their control, because – What happens if you lose all your property, you are now dependent on somebody, someone who is going to continue to feed your digital wallet with money, and hopefully you'll be able to buy some crickets to eat and a few other food items. But the point is that that is the, you know, it it came to my mind that really what the issue is, is the property in the first place. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. So... If, if someone came to your front door and told you to leave your home at gunpoint, you would object. A lot of people in the U.S. are gun owners. Things would probably get violent in a lot of cases. Horse thieves were hung on the spot. I don't think people are, I think people are kind of at the end of tolerance, um, sad to say. And, um, yes. right. And people are now getting fed up because they know you're not voting your way out of this problem. That's right. The, the elections are completely rigged at this point, and um, there are no, there's no such thing as a real election anymore. Now, the other thing is, when you look at the control of the different systems, you got the money system, the media, legislative and judicial processes, all these things. And I'm going to go through chapter and verse here in a second, how they have modeled these things and made them so that they will come and legally take your property. So there's one document, and I've got a link on my Substack. My Substack is decodetheworld.substack.com. You're welcome to go. Your your viewers are your viewers and listeners are always welcome there. Can you give that again, Chris? Decode the world. Decodetheworld.substack.com. And you know that's where I that's where I put this story. It's been very positively reviewed and uh, whatnot, but. There's a link here, and I we can put this on your website too, Dave, because this is an important book. But the book is quite technical, and my website is designed for regular people who don't have the time for all the technical details but want to know the good information. 
But anyway, if they want more, they can dig in, and I recommend everybody always do their own research. I'm just presenting to you what I found. You can go and look it up yourself, and you should. Don't, you know, don't be a sheeple. Don't uh, just take my word for it or Dave's word for it. Go and do your own research. Now, let's talk about the different kinds of property that people can have. You can have real estate that's tied to the earth. It's immovable. So the word in French is immobilier, right? Local government has a secured interest, which means if you don't pay your taxes, they can take it back. If you borrowed against it and you don't pay the lender back, they can legally take it after you fail to pay them back. So that's, you know, that is, that's how a lot of these things are going to go down. People said, well, I got this unbelievable, great, you know, 3% mortgage rate and all this stuff. Well, if you have no money at all, how are you going to pay that back? So that's going to be a challenge for a lot of people. The next thing is the securities and financial instruments. And you and I have talked about this before. DTCC and Seed and Company basically own your securities. So you are the beneficial owner. You are not the actual nominal owner. And so for that, these are basically called security entitlements that have been placed in the law. Now, why does seed in company and why is it called seed in company? Well, because you are seeding the ownership to and the title to them. They're holding it for you. So instead of what it was originally supposed to be, it became a custodian with, I think they've got $81 trillion in there. That's how much money is at Seed and Company and DTCC. And basically, they have a superior claim to your property. If they go bankrupt, your property is, someone else has a superior claim, even though they're supposed to be a custodian for you. Now, before you go on, let me ask you, is the term for the money holder, the the average person, are they called an uh, unsecured creditor? Well, that's like a bank account. So, but the concept, there you go. Exactly what I was getting to. Yeah. Right. So, demand a demand deposit account. You are an unsecured creditor, and that's right. two hundred years of case law. Now, you do have depository insurance, but that's going to be pretty much worthless and a really terrible, you know, a calamity. Sure. Right. And then, of course, if you have a business and you've got payroll to meet, and you've got you know fifty or a hundred employees who depend on you. You know, you have the problem is then you won't have money to make payroll. They'll all have to quit. They'll have to go take a job somewhere else. That will destroy your business. Now, you look at the next type of property, transportation objects, cars, boats, RVs, trucks. This is all controlled by the pink slip title registration. And my belief is that these things will eventually be licensed back to you. And so you see these cars. So when they when you buy a new car now, all the new cars, a lot of them have, you know, if you want a seat heater, it's going to cost you 10 bucks a month, right? So what they're doing is they are they are literally moving it from an ownership model to a rental model, right? And that also fits in with you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about the other objects which are currently outside the system. You've got artwork, jewelry, and collectibles, Furniture, appliances, clothing, personal possessions, these kinds of things. That's called chattel. This is property that is not tied to the earth. My belief is that this stuff, the valuables here, are going to be controlled by the insurance company. So if you want to buy insurance, you're going to have to register the item. And you'll register on an NFT or blockchain. And the advantage of that is that if it's ever stolen, so let's say it's an expensive camera and you've got a serial number, you can report it stolen. The insurance company can make a payment to you. And then if the police find it. So there is a benefit to some of these things, no doubt. But the problem is then what's going to happen is it'll be constructed the same way that your securities are held in someone else's name so that if you ever want to transfer those, this is where the social credit score comes in. If I have an object that I own, but you have control over my disposition of that object. So in other words, if I want to give something to you, Dave, let's say that I've got a a nice camera and I want to give it to you. They may say, no, you can't give it to Dave. We won't transfer it on the blockchain. So now Dave may have physical possession of this object, but 
You can't do anything with it. You can't go resell it or do anything like that. Now, we're going to get to how they're going to control those things here in a second. You've also got intellectual property. You've got, you know, patents, trademarks, copyrights, and those kind of things. You've got your body. That is your property. But if your DNA is ever altered artificially, it can be patented and someone can own it. Right. Uh, I came across that with uh, Ebola and the CDC. Ebola owns the rights of CBC, CD, CB, uh, excuse me. <laughs> the CDC owns the rights to someone who has Ebola. They own Ebola. But the thing is, they can't own something in nature, which means the Ebola had to be transmuted, in other words, weaponized. I discovered this in 2014. I published the patent for this, Chris. It is real. And what you're saying is, if you're modified by like a vaccine injection, your DNA is modified, then they technically own you. Right. Well, and there's also case law from Monsanto. So there were farmers who did not want the Monsanto uh We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here. And we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at thecommonsenseshow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at thecommonsenseshow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. We already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time uh you know uh gmo seeds but what happened is they grew it on the neighboring property the wind blew the gmo uh pollen over to the farmer who didn't want it right and now all of a sudden the farmer who didn't want it his his wheat or whatever crop it was is contaminated court said that belongs to monsanto so there you have it. That's that there is case law for all these things. And basically, artificially copied, this is from the BBC, artificially copied DNA can be intellectual property. The Supreme Court ruled unanimously. Now, the last point is your thoughts. Do you own your own thoughts? Well, I hope so. Oh, I can't believe you're going here, but I, I know I've heard uh, Harari from the World Economic Forum talk about this. Well, yeah. this is what they're doing. They're trying to uh, they're trying to control your thoughts because communism, like we said before, it's a monopoly on everything, including your thoughts. Yeah. The elimination of choice. How can you have a world where people choose God if you have no choice? 
That is what this is all about at the end. It's about the choices that people make. And right now, people have free will, not as much as they used to, maybe, but they still have the ability to make a choice. But if your mind is in, if you're turned into a zombie, if you're being 5G cell towered and whatnot, so that it's, it's, and there's patents on all this. I'm not making some wild claim here. There are patents on altering people's behavior and their thought pattern based on cell towers and things like this. So this is the key is that everything is placed into an online registry. Now, let's talk about how the Internet of Things and the Internet of People line up with this. Now, most people may not know about the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things is a, it's basically the Internet, but it's set up for people and computers. It's for devices. So you think about your home. Everything that you have in your home, you've got a TV set, you've got a refrigerator, you've got a washing machine, dryer, you've got um, stereo, you know, whatever it is that you have. If it has electricity running through it and it's made in probably the last five or six years, there's a very good chance it has IoT. Now, what IoT is, it's a special part of the cellular network. And it's a very interesting part because it's actually more robust than the regular internet. And, you know, we're going to talk about this. There's, we're going to, you and I are going to do a lot of work in this area, Dave, because there's something here that is kind of a hidden thing that I think your, your viewers and listeners are going to really like. You look at how the first responders are set up. They are set up on basically IoT. They're set up on the Internet of Things. It's a separate system, completely set away from the Internet. Now, it has certain advantages, and it has disadvantages. Now, if you have a device with this tracking in it, so, for example, I was up in Idaho visiting a friend, and he had, uh, while I was staying in the hotel there, so I ran my little sweeper, my little bug sweeper around the room, and it went crazy around a microwave oven, a brand-new GE microwave oven. Well, this thing is phoning home. Who knows what's in it? Microphone, camera, all this kind of stuff. And this is the microwave. Now, what they do is the Internet of Things, because of the way that it's set up for the tracking, it it knows the physical location of the property in real time. Now, if you saw or your viewers saw 2,000 mules, one of the things that they went through and tracked down, this was the vote for the election to uh, 2020 mm-hmm. vote fraud issue where they had ballot mules. These are people who are driving from station to station where they were collecting ballots, right. dumping in, you know, piles of ballots. Who knows if they're real or not? I don't, you know, make any claim about that. But they do have they have the receipts on the people. And what you see on the screen, they went to a data broker and they got all the cell phone data. Now, your cell phone automatically phones home the location data. And this might not be, you might think, oh, I've turned off Google. A lot of applications do it, and they all sell the data to data brokers. So what that means is that if I'm going somewhere, let's say I'm going to the doctor's office, and I may not want my insurance company to know that I'm going to a specific type of a doctor for some condition that I'm worried that they're going to cancel my insurance policy over, right? Then what happens? The insurance company can go and buy all that data. They can track you. They can say, oh, why were you over at Dr. So-and-so's office, so forth and so on. Now, when you look at that, you now have the ability to track in near real time where somebody is based on these IoT things. Now, the monitoring is also another factor here. You can monitor just like the Fit Watch that they have. I never wear any of these, but the Fit Watch, it will monitor your heart rate, your blood pressure. It can do all of this monitoring of your body functions. Well, guess what? They do the same thing for machines, your car. So we have a Tesla. I wanted to see how those things worked. Well, that thing is phoning home literally everything about the car. What's the state of the battery? How many miles were you driving? How fast were you driving? All these different things are recorded and phoned home. Now, the last part that is a feature of all of these systems is the off switch, which is if something is being misused, let's say your car, so anything that's a car made after probably 2005, maybe a little earlier than that, you can. there is basically an off switch in the car. 
the police, if you ever saw the show, Mr. Uh, Mr. Robot, it's a TV series. That's one of the things the hacker did is he called, he impersonated somebody, a police officer, and said, take this VIN number for this thing. He looked up the license plate. He could see the license plate, looked up the VIN number, called in, and they turned off the car. And the, this is the car that was chasing him, and the car stopped. So everything, these things all have off switches. So your TV set, your stereo, your washing machine, your dryer, all these things have the off switch. Now, how does that work on physical property? That works with the landlord or sheriff's padlock on the door. For vehicles, it's a remote switch. For IoT, anything could be disabled until payment is rendered or it's bricked until some other command is received to reactivate. So... This is the thing. This is how you don't actually own things yourself, because if you don't have control over these things, do you really own it? No, you don't. Not in the sense of ownership that you and I are accustomed to. Hmm. Now, you know, people in the 60s used to say, I better not say that, or the government will wiretap my house. People today say, hey, wiretap, do you have a recipe for pancakes? (laughs) Right? Yeah. That's Alexa right there, right? So this is the thing. Now, people have been conditioned to accept these things. And basically, um, that's one of the reasons why there, there's, you know, one other point here is that all of these principles can be applied to a person's body and their mind. There's no, there's really... Rocky, talk about the mind. How do they do that? Well, you know, one of the things, there's some patents from a person named Dr. Charles Lieber at Harvard. Now, this has all been scrubbed, but you can still find his patents. If you search for Dr. Charles Lieber, you can find his patents on, uh, you know, Google patent or on a, you know, U.S. patent office website search. And that's all been now scrubbed from Harvard University's website. He was arrested for basically uh, handing CCP. And he was on the payroll of the CCP, I don't know, to the tune of half a million, six hundred thousand dollars a year. They have a a program in China where they basically bribe Western scientists. And he was a beneficiary of that. Now, these patents, you can still find them if you go on the on that website. But the point is, what these things do is they are ways using nanotechnology to allow to build a network interface between a computer network and a person's mind. That's That's basically what's been going on here. Now, these patents are... You know, this is probably 10, 20 year old technology. So you can imagine how much farther along it is. Now, there's been a lot, there were a lot of people who said, Oh, the shots have all this kind of stuff in them. They're making Wi Fi signals. You know, that I don't know that there's enough evidence for those kind of things, but it wouldn't surprise me. It's probably physically possible. And when you read these patents, it's kind of like the patents for chemtrails and for just about everything else you can see how people's minds can be controlled by cellular signals. They've proven that. They can be controlled by, uh, I just saw one today, ultraviolet light can control people's uh, uh, mind and th- and thought processes. So they can do it with photonics as well as, uh, as with radio frequency. Now, next thing I want to talk about is really what is the Great Reset? Why do they call it the Great Reset? I thought, oh, well, they're resetting everything. That's a lot more than that. They told you that you're going to own nothing and be happy. And basically, you know, how is it possible that people would willingly hand over their house, car, stocks, bonds, savings, jewelry, basically everything, and become poor? Well, I don't think they'll do it without persuasion. How is the persuasion done? Financial collapse, climate rules, regulations, mm-hmm. medical emergencies, wars, all these kind of things. Now, what they've done, and I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty here, they've passed laws affirmed by court rulings to make everything legal. Now, keep in mind, everything Hitler did was legal. So that's all you have to know when you look at this is say, what the heck are they doing? Everything is now in place for this. So we've seen the video. I'm not going to talk. I'll just talk to it here because I know that these are a lot of your listeners are, um, you know, on audio podcast. Why do they call it the Great Reset? 
Under Scott's law, this is the law in Scotland, the legal term for a reset is different than what you might imagine. A reset under Scott's law is the act or an instance of knowingly receiving stolen goods. Now, really? the reset, yes. Now, here's another, another person. It says, a person is guilty of reset who is privy to the retention of property known to have been dishonestly appropriated. Receiving that's, stolen material, yeah, okay. That's what the reset is about. The great reset is the official plundering of everybody. That's what this is. Now, if you if you look at this and they know that they're receiving stolen property and they told you that they know that they're receiving stolen property because they call it a reset, they will always tell you what they are about to do. That's true. It's part of their religious practice. Now, let's go through and look at what it is about the, um, let's look at what the mechanics look like, how people can take, how can property be taken from people? First, the most obvious that I know all of your listeners and viewers know about is the manipulation of the money system, inflation and then deflation. So we just had a big batch of inflation, and now we're actually starting to see some deflation, except, of course, at the gas pump. But this is the withdrawal of money from the system. Now, they did this during the Great Depression. You notice how the word great is in front of all these things? These are all planned operations. And what it is, how do they do that? Well, they inflate the economy. They inflate the money supply. Everyone goes and takes out loans because it's so easy to pay it back. Then there's the rug pull, and that's where they say, oh, well, now there's a a stock market crash. They take all that money out of circulation. The banks go under. Under In the Depression, about a third of banks went under. So what happened to the people who had money in those banks? They lost every penny. So there were people who literally overnight were, were broke. And the reason they were broke wasn't because the stock market crashed. There were a few people from that, but mostly it was from the banks. Why did, was it so important to get rid of these banks? Because these banks represented competition. They represented the ability for someone to get credit outside of their control. That's really how it is. So when you look at any kind of property that's secured by with a secured interest by a bank, a car loan, a house, anything that has a mortgage, right? When that money gets withdrawn from the economy and from the system, What happens? Well, then all of a sudden, you don't have any way to pay it back. You're too worried about eating. You'll give up your car because you have to eat. You'll give up your house because you have to eat. Now, this is the thing. Because of the money printing, certain people get access to it. How many people knew which banks to go to during the Great Depression? I'm sure there were a few. A few. They were off, and they were told, get your money out of you know, First National Bank of wherever and put it in over here at this bank. And I'm going to guarantee you there were people who knew about that or at least, you know, they got lucky or they knew about it. So just like people were tipped off about 9-11, just like people were tipped off about a number of different things, that is that is how this thing is is played. Now, the other thing is the Federal Reserve Bank has never had a proper public audit. You have no idea how much money's been printed. You don't know where it went, who they gave it to. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. They have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. All I know is I look in my pockets, you probably look in your pockets, and it didn't show up there, right? So that is the thing. This is basically counterfeiting. And, you know, there are graphs and charts. You can go find the M1 graph from the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank. Uh, Just search for that. You'll find it, and you will be astounded. In the year 2020, there was literally $12 trillion dollars. The base money supply M1 was at $4 trillion, and then all of a sudden, with COVID, 
there were another $12 trillion printed. And then on top of that was probably another three or $4 trillion. And now you're starting to see it go over the edge and it's going down. So now we're going to start to see deflation. And I would not be a bit surprised if we don't have some activity in the different markets. So the cryptocurrency market, the stock market, all these kinds of places. Now, as the next way that people get their money stolen is through taxation. And if you've noticed, everything has a tax on it now. And it seems like, oh, it's not that much. It's 5% here, 10% here for sales tax and whatever. But progressive taxation, the rates go up the more that you owe, the more Mm -hmm. that you earn, right? Well, everyone said, oh, the income tax, it's no big deal. It's, you know, 2 3 4%. And you have to make a million dollars a year. That's what they said when they started. But guess what? Now everyone pays tax, unless, you know, except for people below probably $40,000, $50,000 a year might not pay very much tax. But how many people who used to make $40,000 a year make $40,000 a year? A lot of people, their income went up because of inflation. So now you're making two, three times as much. Guess what? You're not paying 5% federal income tax. You're not paying, you're in a higher tax bracket. So Keynes paraphrased Lenin. He, he interviewed Lenin one time and he said, the way to crush the bourgeois is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. Money collected is paid out. Where does it go? Is it going back to you? Right now it's going to the interest on the debt. All the money collected is going to the interest on the debt. It's not even paying for the, you know, the Department of Defense. It's not paying for welfare, all these things. That's just plain old printed up money and borrowed money. So basically, you look at the FEMA cleanups, you look at how the money goes for that. It is, um, you know, it's a, it's a big problem. Now, Klaus Schwab from the professor, Professor Schwab from the World Economic Forum, in the background, in a picture in his office, is a bust of Lenin. So he likes he likes uh, he likes Lenin. Really, and, I did not know that. Oh yeah, no, he's got a bust of Lenin in his library, and you know it's it's pretty obvious that when you have the person who backed and by the way the Swiss there there are some people in Switzerland who along with Americans who backed the Russian Revolution. Yeah, they get the money from somewhere. They got some from Germany too, but a lot of it came from the U.S. and from New York and yeah. from Switzerland. So you know, yeah. you know that Rockefeller uh, at uh, Rockefeller Square on one part of a door, they had the hammer on the opposite end. They had the sickle. I don't know if you ever heard that story or not, but it's true. I have not, but I completely believe it. I mean, they had uh, Diego Rivera, who's a famous socialist uh, muralist. You know, he's quite talented, a uh, Mexican. He painted a mural that's in Rockefeller Center. So they had a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, Apollo-type statues and things like this in uh, in Rockefeller Center. A lot of symbolism there as well. Now, the other ways that people are going to lose their property is that with the registration of property, like we talked about the DTCC and Seed and Company and so forth, those things are basically being set up to, to fail at some point. And then all the chips get, get scooped up. Now, the actual problem these people all have is don't you think everyone is going to notice that all of a sudden the small group of people ended up owning everything and everybody ended up broke? And what about if 90% of people are broke? How is there so much misfortune that those people ended up broke? And aren't they going to be upset about it? Of course they are. And this is actually what happened in Europe many times with usury and with other kinds of debt, things that were, you know, the Christian church was very much against usury. And there's a very good reason, because it impoverishes people, and it it unjustly enriches certain people as well. So they've now codified this into law, Dodd-Frank, all these things. They basically made sure the derivative... Explain Dodd-Frank, that they can keep your money in the bank. They want it. Well, Dodd Frank is a five thousand page bill. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of stuff in there. I haven't read the whole thing myself, but the key points are there's a new chapter for banking for the bankruptcy laws, 
And basically what they did was they created a, an ability for the derivative holders to have a perfected interest. So when you have a bankruptcy, there is what's called perfecting the security interest. You have to go through a process. If you're the senior note holder, so in other words, you lend money to somebody and you say, I'm first in line. If you fail to pay, I'm the first person in line who gets whatever I'm owed. And everybody else, if there's anything left over, it'll waterfall down to the rest of the people. Now, the issue is the derivative holders, if you look at the way they do this, they put all of these derivatives into the banks where they're holding your deposits. So what's going to happen is if the thing fails, the first person who's going to get paid is the derivative holders. They're going to collect everything. That's the bottom line. That's And Dodd-Frank makes that perfectly legal. So... That's really, it's like chapter 14 of the bankruptcy law. It's like a whole other chapter for banks, and they deal with that that way. Next thing, the unnatural disaster. You and I have talked about this many times before. Fire, tsunami, all these things diminish the value of property. They impair property values. Once you go through a fire, and you and I talked about this before, Dave, and people can find it on my website. I've got a big write-up about this, about wildfires. What happens is, is that your property is now considered a hazardous waste zone. It's it's hazardous. They will not, your local dump will not take anything that's been in a fire. You have to take it to a special dump. To go to that special dump, you need a permit. And then you have to go through and they have to look for asbestos and you have to do all these things because they don't want asbestos in their dump, even though in California it's basically the state rock and it's, um, you know, in the ground, a lot of places. They don't want it in the dump. So anyway, you know, there's a, this, this article that I've got, there's a receipt on there for a million and a half dollars for cleaning up a property that originally cost $700,000. And there is, you know, my logger told me, I said, how much would it cost if you did the cleanup? And he said, somewhere between 50 and $60,000. And they charged, someone got paid a million and a half dollars. So there's a lot of this kind of payola money going to buddies. But the other thing that I got is a letter offering to buy the property for a couple hundred thousand dollars. No questions asked. They didn't even come and look at it. They just said, sign here. And that's it. And, you know, when I looked at that, I said, wow, it didn't take them long. And, you know, the people in Maui, they're going to start getting a lot of these letters. Exactly. I was just thinking the same thing. Yep. And here's the problem. These are people in Maui. Why was Maui targeted? Because people there, Lahaina was the original capital of the Hawaiian kingdom. Mm -hmm. For Hawaiian people, for the natives, the people who were the Polynesians, the original Polynesians who were in Hawaii, Lahaina is a special place. So when they burned that place to the ground, it was like a dagger through the heart for those people because it is a special place. I remember driving in a car one time. I had the radio on on the way to Hana. There was only one station. It's very remote. And there was a woman, a, a, you know, Vahini, which is with, which is the singers that they have, these uh, singers. And it was she had a very beautiful voice, and that's what she was singing about, is Lahaina. I'll never forget that. And, of course, that's what they decided to, to burn down. So there are a lot of rituals behind these things, but... You know, as far as the property rights go and, and people's property, this is how they do it. Another way is with the bank holidays and insolvencies. And during the Great Depression, people lost their money in the bank. I had a lot of relatives who lost their money. They, they you know, when, when my uncle Veets in Milwaukee, uh, when my mother went through his house after he passed away, she found money, $20 bills, $5 bills, Checks that had never been cashed because he distrusted and hated banks so much. He kept it all at home. Now, of course, if you have a CBDC, you know, it's going to be expiring in your wallet. So it's going to be spend it or lose it. But the, the point here is that you have designated winter banks. Now, where are these designated winter banks? Well, probably Citibank. That's probably a good one, but that's not a guarantee either because as soon as these things they decide, they put the money into there, they put the derivatives in there, and that's one of the places that's going to go over like the Twin Towers. 
that's what could happen. So you've got to be very so careful. What, does this go into receivership? Uh, how, how will that look? Each, each, so these banks are like a multi-headed hydra, okay? So you've got this one pocket over here. You've got this pocket over here. This one is an offshore entity. This one's in the U.S. This one's domiciled here where the bankruptcy law is such. Trust me, banks have very good lawyers. They know where all of these things are situated. They know exactly what they can and legally. The laws have all been changed so that people can, they can legally do things that are, you know, you would normally think you can't do this. But they've passed these laws over 20, 30, 50 years to make this stuff all possible. So the question is, if you're, you know, one of the pictures I've got on my website is you've got somebody on, uh, you know, it's a Colorado uh, spring day, which means there's still snow on the ground in the shade right? If someone is sitting in the shade, they're sitting on a pile of snow in a parka, and literally three feet away is someone in a swimming suit getting a nice suntan. And you know what I'm talking about, being from Colorado, Dave, that's that's what it's like. So you must choose carefully. You know, one way is to be out of the bank, but on the other hand, you know, what if they just take the currency and turn it into toilet paper? What about gold? What about gold and Bitcoin? You know, I I have my doubts about the precious metals. I mean, I think it's probably a good idea for people to own a little bit of that. But the problem is that if you really get in a situation where you have to barter for things, aren't you better off bartering with cans of tuna than gold? Because people can eat tuna. They can't eat gold. They're going to hand you their gold. And what happened in Cambodia was... Uh, at the height of the Khmer Rouge, in the terrible, terrible civil war they had there, what happened was the um, gold was one ounce of gold would buy two cans of tuna. So what I tell people is if you want to invest in gold, maybe the best thing to do is to buy tuna right now because the people, and of course having you know some firearms to protect it, but having people, they're going to want they're going to want tuna. They're not going to want gold. So that's that's my thesis about the um, the precious metal kind of situation. Probably not a bad idea if you can afford it. You know, start with the food. Start with the, I know that you sell long term food on your site to your users, your your viewers. Absolutely, everybody should have some of that. You do not want to be you know beholden, and you do not want to be a burden on everybody else. So that's my recommendation there. But that's the thing about the gold. They've they've spent decades creating what they call legal certainty. Now, what does that mean? It's confiscation without judicial review to perfect their claims on these assets. They strip away them from the rightful owners, and that is how we end up with a reset. They use legal entities and process to collect everything, They've paid nothing for these things. You work with your blood, sweat, and tears to get these things, and now they're going to come and just take them. Just Does that include same- like uh, they're going to have food hoarding laws and outlaw gold, and is that what you're referencing? Well, They'll come and seize it. Well, they did that last time, and let's talk about that right now. How was it done last time at the Great Depression? Now, normal depressions occur periodically. There was a depression in 1921. Most people never heard of it because it only lasted for less than a year, and it was a complete recovery. So what what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with a Great Depression is something that was actually engineered. Now, here's a quote from Ben Bernanke. He was talking on a speech about Milton Friedman, and here's what he said. Quote, let me end my talk by abusing slightly my status as an official representative of the Federal Reserve. I'd like to say to Milton and Anna, Anna was his wife, Regarding the Great Depression, you're right. We did it. We're very sorry. But thanks to you, we won't do it again. End quote. So they basically admitted that they actually engineered the Great Depression. But they don't have to do it that way this time. What they did the last time was they wanted to take the gold out of circulation. They wanted to take gold out of people's hands. And that was actually a trial run for the Great Reset. Now, if you want to take gold out of circulation, consult. I'm sorry? Oh, that's amazing. Do you think they did a beta test that long ago? 
Sure. The the time horizon, you're dealing with people who have a completely different kind of time horizon than you and I are used okay. to, right? Now, what were the goals of the Great Depression? One, get rid of the gold from circulation. Two, consolidate the banking and the wealth. And three, begin the socialist programs, social security. Now, you know, on the social security card, there are two pillars at each end, which is Masonic symbolism that's on your social security card. You can pull it out of your wallet and see for yourself. And uh, the idea is take everything one more step closer to the one world government, make the U.S. closer to the Soviet Union so that they could eventually be merged more easily. Now, how was the gold taken the last time around? It started a lot earlier than, than 1933 and 34. What happened is there's a letter on my website that talks about in 1918 how the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas had a policy to member banks, why they need to withdraw gold from circulation and add it to their reserves. And they say a number of banks are continuing their cooperation in the matter of concentrating gold into reserve. And this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to put all the gold in the bank so that what's circulating are paper notes, not gold, right? And that's what they tried to do. Now, the problem was that the the central bank had counterfeited gold certificates. They had, you know, they were supposed to have one-to-one. There wasn't supposed to be fractional reserve. But there's a website that I linked to, and basically what it shows is that at a minimum, there were 20,000 metric tons of gold circulating naked. These are gold certificates without gold backing. That's why they had to take the gold. Because as soon as they did that, if, if everyone wanted their gold, the whole thing would be exposed. And then the people would realize that they had been swindled again. And so what's happened is they printed so much gold back paper, the gold didn't exist to pay it back. And then with this confiscation, when FDR did it, they repriced gold overnight. And I remember one of the engineers I worked for when I had a summer job in college, he was still mad about this, and this was in 1980. And he still talked about it when the dollar was devalued from $28.68 per ounce of gold to $35. He said, this is the worst inflation our country's ever experienced, 60% in one day. Wow. That's what happened. So they inflate, they created inflation, and they made it so that the people who had savings, of course, are the ones who suffer. The ones who worked hard, did the right thing, saved, followed the rules. They were the ones who suffered. So that's what happened. People lost their gold. Where did the gold go? The bankers got it. Right. That's where. So that's that's what you need to know. And then, then there's the executive order, which it looks, is it a law? No, it's not a law. It's kind of like a mask mandate or any of this other stuff. You know, they can't legally order you to do these things, but they can make it so coercive that it becomes such a problem that, you know, people end up handing it over. Now, a lot of people didn't do that, but they couldn't sell it either. So by doing this, what they did is they took the gold off the table. People could, of course, go and trade individually and do whatever. But the point is that gold became worth a lot less than what it was before. That's that's part of what they're going to do. Yeah, but the beauty of gold is it bounces back. I mean, it's a good barometer. Well, if you can make it through, yeah, it is. It's I, you know, I I don't think anyone has, uh, you know, had a problem with gold. I mean, gold has always been worth something. It's just the problem is, is it worth two cans of tuna because things are so terrible? <laughs> no, I agree. Right. Well, well, uh, tell me how Bitcoin's not going to work. Well, Bitcoin depends on the Internet. So the first thing is, and it uses a lot of electricity. And what I think is going to happen is they're going to move it over and make a lot of these things illegal. They may very well decide to keep Bitcoin. I'm not saying they won't keep it. But if you don't have Internet and you don't have electricity, how are you going to use Bitcoin? You can't. So that's the that's the problem with Bitcoin. Does the, Chris, let me ask, does a great reset take away internet? 
Well, you know, what I think is going to happen, it's going to be like a driving license to get on the Internet. I think what's going to happen is that people are going to move. You're starting to see the signs of this with Senate Mm -hmm. 686, which is the Restrict Act. And what the Restrict Act does is it goes and it makes it so that people, um, you know, if you if you post misinformation, you are going to have a big problem. And what I think is going to happen is, to be honest, I think people are going to move to private networks, to private membership associations. And what this does, and I've been saying this for probably 10 years when I had on scene, is private networks are the future. If you look at it, who has private networks right now? The biggest corporations, governments, the U.S. military, they all operate on private networks. And the problem has been it's too hard and too expensive for a small business or an individual to do this. And there's going to be some things we'll talk about in the near future about that, because that is actually, I think, um, it's actually a very good thing because you will have complete freedom on a place like that. Everything will be encrypted. So no one, it's going to be like a UPS brown box. As long as it's not explosive, liquid, or corrosive, you can ship it, and they don't ask any questions about what's in the box. That makes sense. Chris, in the two minutes we have left, tell people what they can do as much as possible to get around this. Well, the first thing is, I think, use cash. That's the first thing. Support your local businesses. Because when you use cash, if you have a $50 bank note in your pocket and you spend it, the restaurant owner that you spent the $50 at uses the bill to pay for the laundry. He, his laundry owner then uses the bill to pay the barber. The barber then takes the bill and goes shopping with it. Yeah, you're so right. I just, cover, I just covered this. I just covered this two days ago. Your money stay when you spend it locally, rather than go to the box store, you go to Joe's Plumber or Joe's Handy Shop. It stays in your community 16 times over. Well, it's even more than that because the bank fees on a $50 transaction are about a dollar and a half. So even if you go to the local business and you use a credit card, what happens is the bank takes their cut. Now you follow that through, you follow that through 30 transactions times a dollar and a half. And now after 30 transactions, that $50 bill, all that's left, $5. Okay. That's the problem. So what's happening is it diminishes the, the community. And that is what we need to do now is we need to strengthen and we need to support the good people of the future. But if we let CBDC comes in, they could redirect you away from that, too. They can make it mandatory that you shop so much at the box stores. Um, Do you have two more suggestions in the minute we have left? Well, I think being prepared with food and being prepared with savings. I mean, I think you really have to get out of debt because you can see from everything I talked about, One of the common things was anyone who has debt is going to have a problem because that's one of the key levers they use to get. So I would suggest that and, you know, keep your faith, you know, believe and trust in God because that is what will see you through. My grandmother told me on her deathbed that the Great Depression years were the best years of her life. And I asked her, why did you say that? She said, because my friends and I, stuck together with each other, and we helped each other out. We became very close. That is what this is all about. It's about improving yourself, taking care of others. And there's a lot of this in the Bible. A lot of religions will talk about this. That's the test. Absolutely right. Chris, we've left a lot on the table. Can you come back and finish and do a part two? Of course. Happy to, Dave. This is uh this was really really good, and I'm sorry with all my mindless questions, but I I, I had them, and I'll tell you a lot of my audience was going to pick the same things I was asking you. But Chris, great presentation. We are flat out of time. They're going to turn the lights out on me, but I really appreciate you doing this. This was uh, one of our better encounters, I think, and I'll be in contact and let you pick the time when you come back. But I'd like to do it sooner rather than later. Wonderful, Dave. Happy to be here, and uh, you know, send my best to everyone in your audience. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Great job. Take care. Bye, Dave. Bye. 
We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TheCommonSenseShow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.